You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. And I'm Evie. Lang is out on assignment this week, but as always, we have Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking and keeping us honest and telling contact tracers he's only ordering podcasts when in actual fact he's working on them. (laughs) (laughs) It's because we make him. He gets in so much trouble if he stops working on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, because of Isaac, the podcast is going to be recording remotely for another uh, six days. Um, Turns out we didn't have to, though. (laughs) Yeah. But he made us do it with his lie. We didn't decide to. He made us do it. And now Isaac is going to get deported as a result. The lowest status member of the podcast. Sorry, Isaac. The lowest status member of the podcast forced our hand. That's a little riff on Adelaide losing their mind over the fact that um, they had to go into a lockdown, which was, I don't actually, hey, McLean, you do maths. I was about yeah. to say one hundredth of the of the time that Melbourne did, but my thinking was six days, six weeks, six months, and that's not how that works, is it? <laughs> <laughs> one millionth. No, oh, wow. <clears throat> but yeah, the people in Adelaide are losing their mind because a contact tracer who had to work a number of jobs, who um, like all people that have to get uh, tests when they- He wasn't a contact they- tracer. He was a pizza guy. He wasn't a contact tracer. Fuck it. So, what, what's wrong with my mind this morning? He was getting <laughs> contacted by contact tracers because he had COVID and they were like, hey- where do you work? And this guy works a number of jobs. He was working like security guard, hotel quarantine. And then he was like, oh, and I also was at this pizza place, but I just ordered a pizza. I was only there briefly ordering a pizza and I spread COVID. And that's unprecedented. So Adelaide freaked the fuck out and locked down everything. And it turns out he fucking worked there. And people are like, oh, this one person who could be threatened with thousands of dollars of fines- and lose his jobs. I mean, he's being threatened with deportation. He's he's Spanish. And they were like, well, you're lying to the contact tracers, so you got to get out of the country because it's really important that we encourage honesty in contact reporting. Yeah, it's like it's this whole thing of like, well, we weren't ever going to give people from overseas proper financial support through this entire pandemic. Why then did he feel the need to lie to us about it? Well, maybe it's because he wasn't going to get proper financial support for us. Like, no, it's a moral failing on his part. He's a bad man. He's the one who made South Australia lock down. And now that all the press has been yelling at him for three solid days, the next time this happens, it's going to be way easier. That's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to encourage people to like get in, be honest to contact tracers. Is having the media parked outside your home and your place of work for days on end. Good one. Just. Do you think we yeah. might have something to learn from like international people um, constantly being the source of this? Like, I think there might be something in it. But who's to say? <laughs> I'm not only not going to learn anything from this, I'm also just going to bring up again that the reason I make that joke is so Isaac feels bad. He knows what he did. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac in our headphones. Thank you, Mitch. You're damn right, Isaac. Now be more honest in future or it gets worse. (laughs) Isaac just noting down in the fact check document, I know my place now. Uh, Isaac, the legitimate glue holding this together. Otherwise, it would just be us talking shit while we game. Oh, God. No, but honestly, just dropping the sarcasm mask for a second, this fucking government at every goddamn <laughs> level just never managing to acknowledge the fact that it's precarious work every fucking time there's an outbreak. It's yeah. precarious work behind it. And they're like, did you say individual responsibility? Did you say there's <laughs> no way that I, the leader of a state, will grapple with an issue at a systemic level? No, 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 no. I will not do it. It's an individual at fault every fucking time. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, the, so- the solution is always more cops. Yeah, the solution's only more cops. There's no other button that they have to push. Hey, so guys, uh, RoboDebt is now solved. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Did you know that? I'm so glad that that's all done because that was such a big issue and it's so so terribly hurt so many people. I'm really glad that it's just in the rear view mirror now. Yeah, we can wipe our hands and just say, yep, we dealt with that. It's all over. Wait a second. <laughs> Are we doing the thing where we where we introduce every segment in the episode by saying, hey, this thing's fine. Wait a second. It's not fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we might be sort of pressing that comedy button a little bit too frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Just can we open up with a segment of being like, Robodet's fucked again. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it just it 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 helps ease us into it because no fake outs November. That's <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Uh, yeah, let's let's do uh, no fake out November starting on the twenty seventh or the twenty second <laughs> of November. <laughs> All right, it's the start of November, everybody. <laughs> no, <laughs> Robo Dead is back in the news. What, for what the liberals are definitely hoping will be the last time if you if you're not up to up to date on this whole thing the liberal party were extorting people who used to be on welfare for money they didn't owe anyone is essentially how the, that's the long and short of it so much so that they've known since 2017 that it was fucking illegal what they were doing they were making up debt that was illegal the way they were threatening people. It was so illegal that a fucking law firm was like, I think there's a there's a case in this. And so working with Bill Shorten, the guy who lost a completely unlosable election, got together <laughs> with Gordon Legal and they stole the work from a whole bunch of grassroots activists and went, actually, this is my idea and my campaign and we're going to take him to court. And they did so well in the opening salvo that we, we talked about it a, a, a bunch of episodes back about how- the government paid back a whole bunch of these debts. They went, ah, yep, look, here's a here's a here's a here's a Hail Mary. How about we just pay back the debts and we call it even? And Gordon Legal went, No, we're gonna take you all the way to court. We're gonna take you to the cleaners, mate. You guys are gonna get fucking thrown in front of the of, of the jury of your peers, which don't exist, and we're gonna air all this out and you're gonna be exposed as the criminals you are. And then a couple months later, bringing up into November of this year, the Liberal Party went, What if we settle? And Gordon Legal went, Yes! And Bill short and went fuck yeah and then it's not going to court and as part of the settlement no one in the liberal party has to admit fault they don't have to apologize and the people who were told by people like alan tudge that they might go to prison were told that they might be stopped at the border and unable to leave the country who thought that they may be in debt for fucking years and years and years or have to pay back thousands of dollars and leave them destitute are going to get around 280 dollars each out of this, out of this class action settlement, two hundred and eighty dollars. That's half a PlayStation, Mitch. That's you know. <laughs> it is one of the weakest and saddest things that I've seen championed by a sitting Labor member, and that should tell you something. If you've listened to any other episodes of Not Good Enough, <laughs> that should tell you how fucking disappointed I am in a settlement. They had them dead to rights. They could have taken these motherfuckers to court and just nailed them day after day, but no. Yeah, I have like, I have a lot of mixed feelings about how this has gone down because I feel like class actions are a really important thing for getting, you know, when you talk about um, justice against corporations, I think class actions can be very useful because it means there can be multiple people sharing their stories and getting a shared settlement for everyone or shared outcome for everyone that holds a company to account. That being said, I feel like class actions have become shorthand for, this sounds a bit glib when I say it, but I feel like they've become shorthand for outsourcing justice in a lot of instances and that's yeah. particularly mm. the case here. And the, this settlement specifically points out the problem with that in that there's no real justice in getting a small payout and no one held to account. And it's just, it's not really like, I don't think it's anyone is at fault in terms of like saying, oh, let's try a class action and see what's happened, like what happens. Oh, for sure. Um, I think it's broadly speaking of like a bigger symptom of using the mechanisms we currently have in place to try to extract justice. And those mechanisms don't really work for this. And yeah. like I've well, said, I this think maybe the mechanism doesn't really work if you just sort of like cop out at the last second. Yeah, just be exactly. Like, Actually, don't worry about it. Yeah, the settlement doesn't work here. Like, and the same can be said of like I've said like previously as well. Like, I really don't like it when people constantly call for royal commissions into things because <laughs> I was what? I was about to say a royal. Commission. Are you th- are you saying we need a royal commission into <laughs> Robo Dead Evie? <laughs> a royal commission basically at the end of the day makes recommendations which then the government can choose to take or not which can seem fine in like theory but are they going to take those recommendations are they legally bound to take those recommendations of course not and the same happens here that if you have a settlement for a government decision and no one is held to blame or admits fault then what's the point what benefit is there to anyone 
it, it, it's uh, another thing that blows my mind about it is the the fact that a lot of the outlets were were reporting it as though it was this amazing huge thing. Federal government ends robodeck class action with settlement worth one point two billion dollars. That it's like yeah, it's a big number. One point two billion is a lot of money, but one. Like, 400 million of that was the government agreeing to drop some, like, unlawful debts that they hadn't claimed yet. So, that being like, ah, man, you know, we made up $400 million worth of debt and I guess we'll stop trying to (laughs) illegally (laughs) claw it out of people. That is not you being charged $400 million. That's you having a $400 imaginary dream dispelled. Like, that's not real (laughs) at all. And then the rest of it, $800 million, that, that's being distributed amongst legal oh, fees. yeah. And more than 370,000 people. That's the thing. Of course the settlement number's big because robo-debt hurt so many people. Yeah, and, and and as you said, like so much of this also goes towards legal fees, which, I mean, you would expect when there is a class action being held. Like a, there is a percentage that goes to the lawyers and, you know, the, the counsel who take on this case. There's a lot of research and work involved. And sure, you would expect that there is a certain percentage that goes to legal fees when a case is settled. But that is yeah, a specific- you've got to be paid for your labour. Yeah. Come on. And <laughs> this, is the, like, this is the problem with outsourcing something like a government decision to class actions is that so much of like the monetary benefit that could potentially be going to the victims, it's like it's, it's using a, pub, a private enterprise to solve a public problem. Yeah. And I imagine that like the lawyers who are working at Gordon Legal probably got more than $280 each out of it. I would say so. <laughs> so, I mean, at least there's a happy ending for them. Oh. <laughs> oh, fuck you. What's with this fake out bullshit? That's not a fake out. Uh, I reckon they're sleeping really well. I think the thing the thing for me as well is that it's not even like us ranting about, oh, there's no justice and the Liberal Party are running away like rats. They're, they're, the, the light's been turned on with the settlement and they've scuttled away under the kitchen cabinets. They haven't. This is so weak and this is so immaterial to them that Stuart Robert, who is a criminal in the Liberal Party, probably, um, they all are, he has already tried to use this settlement as a way of saying that he was responsible for stopping robo-debt and he did a good thing and this settlement proves him right somehow. Like, there's this- there's this quote. He was on Sky News and he said, this government stopped it, RoboDebt, and subsequent court cases have shown that we're right to stop and say more proof points will now be used to ensure that debts are raised properly. This is why we stopped the scheme in November last year, 2019, because we had concerns about the sufficiency of using this long-standing practice. Like I said, back in 2017, they knew that it was fucking illegal and they would be done for it. And he was in the role where he could um, make these changes for four months before he stopped it. What happened in November last year was that there was such a f- like fucking outrage about it that it was going to court. And he was like, oh, let's shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. With this settlement, he now thinks he has the cover to say something like, actually, I'm the hero here. Like, yeah. un- you know what could happen? if they didn't settle, is that he would be dragged in front of a fucking judge and we would all get to see lawyers go, what you did was illegal. How long did you know it was illegal for? So, here's the thing as well. Like, how long did they they know about it? Peter Van Onselen, who is a journalist who fucking hates Scott Morrison just with a passion. Every single time he can stick the knife into Scott Morrison, he does it. And we love to see it. He laid it out on Channel 10 really clearly that Scott Morrison was in charge of robo-debt when it started. The person who was the social services minister when it was first conceived was Scott Morrison. The person who was then in charge of the finances when they were trying to save the money in the lead-up to getting the surplus was the then treasurer. That was Scott Morrison. And then the person that wanted to make sure that they got the surplus because it was so important before the last election, that was the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. The reason no one's going to resign for this is because at every stage of portfolio responsibility at the heart of what's happened here was the now Prime Minister and he certainly ain't going to sack himself. If Stuart Robert or Alan Tudge, who were Liberal members who were also responsible for RoboDad at certain points and they were told about it being illegal, if they get punished at any point, then it has to go back one step. It has to lead back to Scott Morrison. And there's no way it's that's going to happen. And my conspiracy theory take on this is that this is the influence of Bill Shorten. Oh. Bill Shorten 
wanted to regain some credibility after losing the election. He picked up a really easy slam dunk case and they never, Gordon Legal and Bill Shorten, never wanted to take it to court because as fucking usual, the Labor Party are in lockstep with the Liberal Party and they look after each other. They are at that end of town and everyone else is at the other end. They do not want to actually have these cases go to court and for precedent to be set because then the Labor Party are up on charges for this shit as well. They're not innocent in this sort of stuff. Scott Morrison has more in common with Bill Shorten and they like each other more than anyone who was affected by robo-debt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm on board with this conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, there, there was, there was, there was, it was always a political stunt for Shorten to reclaim and hold on to some level of influence in the Labor Party. Also, like, a lot of these law firms, um, so just to give some context to who Gordon Legal are, uh, Gordon Legal is started by the guy who um, initially was at Slater and Gordon, which is also another class action uh, victim compensation-led um, kind of law firm, similar to Morris Blackburn, and a lot of them are very labour-heavy strongholds. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, it's a lot of mates helping out mates here. Sort of like a a high-level plutocrat uh, mutual aid network. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. That is is what was genuinely, like, I was at first infuriated because that's my default position is just to be a ball of rage all the time. But it it was a bummer to see this be talked about for so long as, like, a- slam dunk dead to rights case yeah that was then just like smugly championed as a win because it's like oh we got a bunch of money out of him and we're gonna settle it's like but what what is the point then like you said evie what is the point in having these big cases if we're not going to get justice from it i don't give a shit about the money. Also, they already had to pay people back. The idea that the 280 that they've given to people is just compensation in any way, one, fails to take into account how much money they should be compensated with if, if we actually care about justice being measured economically. But also, we fucking shouldn't care about that. I should actually clarify here. It's not actually like specifically 280 each. It's just an average payment. That's, That's the, the average, average yeah. Like, there are yeah. going to be some people who get bigger payments than others. This is the case for, like, all class actions. There are obviously some people who are more, like, you know, uh, who have suffered more in terms of, like, what compensation they get back than others. Which means some people are going to get less than 280. It's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> like- I just find the idea that a monetary compensation for a public government policy deliberately implemented feels like it's just so minor to the damage caused and yeah yep. like a just class actions was, was not the mechanism to be used here but i think everyone knows that and it's unfortunate that this was the tack that was taken and now it's probably just going to disappear from public view i it reminds me so strongly of that malcolm x quote now i will never say that progress is being made if you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches there's no progress mm-hmm. you pull it all the way out that's not progress the progress is healing the wound that's a blow that's a blow made, and they haven't even begun to pull a knife out, much less try and pull, uh, heal the wound. You have, you have. They won't even admit the knife is there. It's just they're they're like you know, oh, we we paid you your two hundred and eighty dollars. Shut up. Uh, we're square, right? <laughs> no. I mean, this is like Fuck you as a as an example of what it means to say like robo debt is a knife in the back of some of these people. These they, they, keep in mind, people with a quote-unquote robo-debt, had to have at some point accessed welfare payments through Centrelink. So, regardless of whether that was one-off, whether they're still on it, whatever, you don't usually have to access welfare when things are going super well. So, these people, at, at the very least, when they accessed welfare, were in pretty dire positions. And Alan fucking Tudge... It's been uh, dragged out because these gronks do not delete their tweets. God bless him for it. Um, has like all his like threats that he was publicly making years and years ago with RoboDebt, where he was saying that he was going to uh, track down people. The the full quote from Alan Tudge, December 2016. We'll find you. We'll track you down, and you will have to repay those debts, and you may end up in prison. These are debts that did not exist. That's just exist. a shakedown. If they did exist, the only reason they existed is because of a government error in, like, the, the whole justification was like, oh, whoops, we accidentally paid some people too much welfare, and now 
five to ten years later, we're just going to make them pay it back to us. That, like, even if they're still on welfare, whatever, give us the money. Like, that is the whole justification. It's not like they stole money from the government, even if the government's sort of justifications were true, which they weren't. Like, it's the flimsiest possible reason to get money out of someone. And Alan fucking Tudge is getting up there being like, we will track you down. You will go to prison if you don't pay this back. It's like, it's your... Even in your story, it's your fault. (laughs) One of the things I really worry about in terms of like the narrative that's being set now as well is that now that we know that the that either the opposition or the government is willing to draw it out to the point where a class action and a settlement at the end is how this is solved, the next time that a robo debt similar thing happens, this is exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah, it's just the cost of doing business now. Yeah, like I fully, like my sort Mm. of paranoid um, expectation is that in maybe a year's time, um, there's going to be a similar robo-debt procedure happening, trying to claw back people who they believe haven't claimed the coronavirus supplement correctly. Well, I mean, you freaking look at Stuart Roberts' quote that we were just talking about earlier. Subsequent court cases have shown that we're right to stop and say more proof points will now be used to ensure that debts are raised properly. There you go. Not... We should stop the program. It's like, no, the problem was we weren't using enough proof points. Like, the problem was you were just, like, running an automated system and not having any human in place to double-check it or verify, like, any level of it. You're just like, computer says you owe us money, you owe us money for thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Yeah. They're absolutely planning on continuing with the program. Yeah. They're not even clandestine about it. They're just like, oh, of course we're going to continue the program. We're just going to tweak the knobs a little bit so that it's a little bit less sort of uh, (laughs) class actionable. It's just a bump at the road. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks to Gordon Gordon Legal for showing us all the pain points that we had to take it to court. Now we're going to shore them up and get right back to it. Yeah. Um, Alan Tudge also did uh, get on the networks and apologise for the affair that he had, uh, claiming it was the worst mistake of his life. <laughs> get uh, fucked. While the class action for the sort of <laughs> robo debt uh, was going forward. Also, remember, I mean, we I think we might have talked about this on the podcast before, <laughs> but he illegally detained somebody uh, for a few weeks and uh, ignored uh, repeated court orders to release the person because there was no justification for it. That that also went down. Not the worst mistake of his life though illegally detaining a man who is innocent not the word mistake trying to extract millions of billions of dollars of debt from welfare recipients not the word mistake but yeah sleezing around a bit that's number one well mclean that's because those two things weren't mistakes that was a very deliberate attempt to get extort money from poor people and to hold an immigrant in detention he meant to do all that sort of shit but he accidentally had sex with someone out of marriage he was like, oh, whoops. Oh, no. I keep doing <laughs> evil shit. Be a little bit more careful next time, Alan oh, Tudge. <laughs> how come? I thought I was only evil politically, but turns out I'm also personally a piece of shit. God damn it. No. <laughs> you klutz. That's on. also how Alan Tudge talks. That's a perfect Im- imitation, actually, if you didn't know. <laughs> we'll find you. We'll track you down and you will have to repay those debts or you may end up in prison. Oh. Whoops a daisy. So, leading into our next segment, I feel like right before the start, uh, this one's about the war crimes shit, and so it's it's probably going to be even rougher chuckles than usual from not good enough. <laughs> Rough chuckles. So, if you're if you're sensitive about real murder and death and suicide stuff, eh, just skip the rest of the episode. <laughs> Content warning on this: we don't usually do them because I mean, shit's so fucked constantly in every aspect of Australian political life, but. War crimes, proper fucked. That's the disclaimer. It turns out war crimes are pretty bad. They're pretty bad. So, we we talked a fair bit about how to sort of, like, frame this discussion, what we want to talk about it. Yeah. What we don't really want to do is spend too much time talking about the details. Obviously, we will need to for context. But the main takeaway that I had from it, and I think part of it comes from my um, upbringing- as like a child of someone who served. So I've got a weird take whenever I see things about the Australian Defence Force and the human cost and the heroes and blah, blah, blah. But like the main thing that struck me was the the way the media talked about these alleged war crimes and these criminals and, and the, the, the heinous things that they did as a surprise, as shocking, as that we, we couldn't see this coming and we had no idea that the military in Afghanistan was, was this bad. And 
in absolutely no universe are any of the things alleged in these in this report a surprise. They're just not. Yeah. So, the the actual context for this is uh, a major investigation has- uh, the, the findings have come out and basically there is just a lot of credible evidence that a, a lot of SAS uh, troops uh, just did a lot of war crimes, just murdering prisoners and, uh, you know- framing uh, civilians as combatants by planting weapons on them. Just, like, a lot of shit that goes on that's like, wow, the culture of the Australian military is really fucked and they kill civilians, children, you know, whatever, just with impunity and, indeed, are encouraged to do so. So, uh, yeah, like, just incredibly horrifying. But, again, not really news because we already knew about all that stuff because it's being reported on constantly, but all the political like commentators are like, oh my god, how do we see this coming? You might need to take a seat because it turns out that war is hell. <laughs> and the people that we train specifically to engage in war, the people that we train specifically to like not think about killing and to just kill, turns out- they're fucking killers and they see the world through a really demented prism and what they do for fun, what they do for loyalty, what they do for um, like what they what they do for what they do for what they think is good is just totally skewed. And this idea, again, that like, well, actually, soldiers are, are, are golden shining heroes deserving nothing but praise at all times. And a few of these people committed war crimes. But like, like you said, McLean. Like we, we were doing searching through for articles through the week and even just this morning, and like I found this one article from Sydney Morning Herald from back in two thousand and nine, which was just nonchalantly talking about how we owe people in Iraq and Afghanistan an apology for how we treated them, how um, a, an Australian soldier Jim Molan, uh, who's known as the Butcher of Fallujah, if you do a Google search for that, um, he doesn't like that name that though. Real? Like <laughs> does oh not like God. that name. And then, and, no, he doesn't. And, like, he he was an Australian soldier who led a raid on a hospital in Fallujah in 2004 after footage of the hospital was shown worldwide showing that coalition forces, Australian amongst them, were depriving people in there of food and water against the Geneva Convention. So the Australian military did an operation, planned an operation, where they raided the hospital and hogtied patients and, like... Like berated them, beat them down, held them captive for a while, and essentially put the fear of fucking God into them. That was all it was for. And like I said, that was in 2004, being reported on in 2009 as if it was old news. Jim Mullen is uh, an unelected senator <laughs> uh, in the sense that he was parachuted into a safe liberal seat. Um, hasn't gone to election at this point um, and also has gotten into trouble several times uh, because he's been called an alleged war criminal by none other than Adam Bant outside of Parliament. <laughs> Jim didn't like that at all. And also in the same week that he threatened Adam Bant with a defamation lawsuit for calling him a war criminal, he was posting anti-Muslim videos on Facebook. Oh, Christ. Here's a, here's the thing that uh, that is also crazy is is – the word alleged, I know that we say allegedly a lot, but like, <laughs> I mean, Evie, you even fell for it just now where Adam Bent called him an alleged war criminal. No, he called him a war criminal and that was the <laughs> allegation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just commenting on the fact that other people think he's a war criminal. That's all I'm saying. Although like Jim Mullen being a senator now is also a larger sort of um, perspective of how Australia loves to venerate um, – War criminals. Yeah, well, alleged war criminals. Alleged war criminals. <laughs> and also just people in the Defence Force generally and give them yeah. very comfortable positions of power after the fact. Another example of this is none other than our Governor-General, David Hurley, who is was the Chief of the Australian Defence Force 2011 to 2014, Vice Chief of the Defence Force 20, 2008 to 2011, and also Chief of Joint Operations 2007 to 2008. He was basically in charge at the time all of this was happening. Oh, but he was just in charge, though. There's not, you know, there's not one king apple when those are the bad apples that are <laughs> and, no, he, he, also spoiled he by the, He specifically you know. is mentioned by the defence whistleblower as having been told multiple times about what was happening. Oh, but, you know, if the, if the king apple's been told, but <laughs> that's pretty incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> and this same king apple was also in charge at the time. There was a lot of... Um, 
coverage about horrible sexist uh, allegations about uh, and sexual abuse allegations in the Australian Defence Force. And he was praised by the media for saying, we're definitely going to do something about this. He also said this line, which is often trotted out when talking about, like, you know, people in charge um, taking steps to um, make amends. He says the line, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. Now, I'm not sure what exactly he was walking past at this particular time, (laughs) but it feels like he was walking past a lot if he just heard, like, all this stuff about war crimes. and was like, cool, thanks for telling me. I need some space to sit with those allegations. <laughs> the allegation gets to his ass. It's like, are you ready to receive a lot of information right now? Yeah. Like, Thank you for asking. No, I'm not. And he just walks away. <laughs> I tell you what, that's the thing is when you're walking along and somebody comes up to you with some allegations, fucking stop walking. Because if you walk past it, <laughs> you're going to have to talk, do something about it. <laughs> what you do is you stop. You turn around. You go the other way. He, don't walk past that standard. Just just pretend it's not walked, even there. He walks straight past it into the Governor General's job. <laughs> yeah. So, while we were looking for articles for this, I saw one that uh, rang a bell about this uh, commando, Kevin Frost, who disclosed that he'd participated in the execution of a prisoner in 2016. This is like in, in terms of, you know, oh, where did these uh, terrible news come? from it was just so blown How away make happen? sure you take a seat oh. this is four years ago this guy came out saying saying that he had participated in the execution himself saying that he believed that he should face further consequences for his role in covering it up including jail time he was like i don't believe that this should be brushed under the carpet this is him coming like it clearly it was tearing up him up inside he actually ended his own life over this you know some years like well, i mean who knows what he ended it over but like this, this this clearly did huge mental damage to this man because he's like, I even publicly came out saying we did this and it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. This is wild. It's also like even in the ABC report that I read about this said he believed that he should face further consequences for his role in covering up the alleged crime. Like even then the the, the media can't engage with it as a potentially real thing. They're like, oh, allegedly. It's like, is it an allegation if you're confessing? It's a confession. In the confessed it's a confession. crime. confession. It's literally a you confession. You don't need to say allegedly. The, the person he's alleging did it is him. He, <laughs> you can yeah. just say he did it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy for someone to come out and go like, please punish me. I did something fucked and I cannot live with it. I am torn up. Please let me go to a court. Fucking robo that thing again. Please let me actually air this out try to do my bit for justice, and then take my punishment. And it, the world went, ah, oh, you're a hero. But like, no, we can't comment on ongoing investigations, though. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And, and like, like, like you said, that was 2016. It's not shocking that this sort of shit happened. Um, the one that came after that then was a thing that most people are probably aware of, big bit. It came to be known as the Afghan Files when, in 2017, uh, the ABC released these leaked reports. ABC and News Corp got these reports from a defence insider that essentially just showed more of this fucked up shit happening in the Australian Defence Force. It was just showing, oh, yeah, the yeah the ADF do a whole bunch of war crimes. Um, and instead of anything happening like we're seeing now, you'll probably remember that the Australian Federal Police raided the Sydney ABC headquarters and the homes of journalists in an attempt to try to find out their sources, find the information, and then silence it, which I'm not one to usually get on my high horse about censorship and people being censored. Like, deplatform fuckheads all you want. But when the government is involved in shutting down stories of public interest, that is literally censorship. That was their response. They also raided Annika Smethurst's house, and she's a journalist with News Corp. So it's not any particular favouritism to any platform here. They pretty much raided yeah. everyone who was covering the story. Yeah, and she wasn't even charged at the end of that. The warrant for the raid was ruled invalid, but they were just like, well, you know, as long as you don't report on the war crimes, you know, we have an understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um and then uh, there's also a report from July 2018 with the uh, the headline, SAS soldiers committed alleged war crimes in Afghanistan from Sydney Morning Herald. Two years ago, like nearly two and a half years ago, 
Um, we've talked about shit like back in October of this year, July of this year, where uh, it was one thing was described as Australia's Abu Ghraib moment, where we mentioned in a podcast a couple of months ago about how they had in the in the reporting on these alleged war crimes. It was shown that they were dropping um, guns and equipment onto civilians that they murdered in an attempt to make it look like they were enemy combatants so they wouldn't come up on war crime charges. They were faking that they were actually enemy combatants. And they had terms for those types of people. They had terms for what those weapons are called, the drops that they were doing on people. Um, You don't have that unless it's not widespread and well-known throughout all echelons. Like, if something, gets, if something gets a nickname, it's because it's used a whole bunch of the time. And as Australians, we love giving stuff that we do all the time, nicknames. Like, none of That's this terrible. <laughs> is a fucking shock. And I'm sick. We, we, I'm going to keep hammering that point. I don't think there's a point to get to on that. I'm fucking sick to death of every report I'm reading about this being like, oh, I cannot believe the soldiers did this. Please believe us and don't think about all the other times we ourselves have even reported it. Oh, you've got to keep in mind that now that it might go to court, oh, we've got to make sure that you forget all the bad things they've done and please keep up this hero worship of the Australian Defence Force for some fucking reason. Yeah, I mean, I I guess that's the rest of the podcast. We're just going to be fucking hammering this point for the next 20 minutes. That why is everyone surprised about this? We we knew about all of it for yonks. This is, this. I mean... in freaking 2004, I, 2003, I was going to anti-Iraq, like, don't invade Iraq protests as a, you know, 17-year-old. I don't know my timelines at all. But, you know, <laughs> I was in high school. I was going to protests saying, don't go into the war. This is ridiculous. This is an immoral war. This is 17 years ago. And now we're like, oh, wow, it really seems like some immoral shit happened in that war. Yeah, no, duh. I was a kid and I knew. Yeah, like if you're like- a bare minimum of like 30 years old at present of you, you listening to this podcast, you remember all this like as a teenager. Yeah. You remember how it like, went if down. You, if you think about it, we, we got into this like obviously bullshit war 17 years ago. People still sign up for the ADF since then. Do you think that good people are signing up for the ADF (laughs) knowing how transparently bullshit that war is and then we're surprised that they're war criminals? Yeah, they signed up knowing what they were fucking signing up for. That reminds me of the really, like, awful um, headline that I saw earlier this year, which was, like, how the children of people who went to war uh, after September 11 are now signing up for the army. That's what's happening now. That's how long it's been going (sighs) on for. It was an onion. It was an onion joke in two thousand and six or whatever it is, and now it's like actually real. Like this. This, yeah. this is the thing as well. Like this isn't a I told you so moment, but it it is a thing of like we weren't protesting the war in Iraq, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan on procedural grounds. We weren't worried about like the rule, the the terms of engagement. It's because when a war happens, fucked shit like this happens. You're sending killers overseas to kill people. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Killers like Ben Robert Smith, allegedly an SAS <laughs> operator, who is is he allegedly a killer? I think he's allegedly a murderer, but everyone knows that he's done kills. So oh, he's. he's, he's a- yeah, he's so a that, war that's, hero, a, that's and a, that means he did a bunch of kills. This is like, the thing. This is this is such a weird thing about how do we talk about this fucking thing as well? Yeah, he's killed people, but he's done the sanctioned killing. I feel like I, I feel like I'm fucking. It's a hack. Yeah. Bill oh, Hicks. No, he hasn't Buster's done thing. murders. He's done <laughs> the legitimate and discriminate taking of life. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. Get fucked. He yeah. This, this is people. This is my this is my big point as well. Besides the shocked and appalled thing of it, is that like if you're committed to the position that all war and combat is a shame, then the behaviour of everyone involved is shameful. And it doesn't matter if it's legally sanctioned or not. We shouldn't be hero-venerating any of these fucking soldiers. We should, at best, give a sympathetic nod and be like, man, what you did was fucked. You did it for fucked reasons. Let's try to help you integrate into society and never talk about that chapter again. Let's not forget what we did systemically, but let's forget about- the fucking the horrible shit that you had to do because this is the thing as well not since world war 2 have we been involved in a war in a western country that's been legitimate in any fucking sense you can either have people at the high level sign a bold off claim of it. about world war 2 but sure. <laughs> but like but this this is this is what i'm saying world war 2 a lot of fucked shit happened but at least there was nazis involved but <laughs> oh, since gosh. then yeah 
It's been absolutely <laughs> fucked front to back. The Western imperialist, like, but we don't really get this broad usually, but Jesus fucking Christ, people. Can we get some perspective on what the ADF do when we are talking about, oh, it's shocking. Why is it shocking? Because they're heroes and what they stand for is good. Horse shit. In absolutely no way is it anything venerable that they've done for 60 fucking years, ever. I think we should wind back a tiny bit and talk about Ben Robert Smith <laughs> in terms of veneration. Um, so to give some context to our listeners, who's this guy? So Ben Robert Smith is um, was a rank corporal. Um, he was given a Victoria Cross in 2010. Rank means disgusting, right? That's the... <laughs> yeah. Ew, corporal. <laughs> so he was given the Victoria Cross for Australia, which is our highest military honour, uh, for a battle uh, in 2010. Um, in the Kandahar province, um, which was a helicopter assault in order to kill or capture a senior Taliban commander. Um, and Roberts, when he was, received the award, uh, said that he was very proud to have taken part in the action with my mates. This award also belongs to them and the regiment. And he thanked his family and he said, uh, it's just, <laughs> here's, the, here's the great part. It's just like being on a football team. You don't let fuck, your mates down. Just gonna- you go fuck. as hard until the game's won. I was just about to make the joke. Is like, oh, did he give full credit to the boys when he got his he Victoria Cross? Fact, and he fucking did. He did, in fact, give thick-headed Lego man Gronk. Chilling. Fuck. What is on with your brain, Ben Robert Smith? That you just like, oh, you go hard, you win the game, and at the end of it, you fucking you murdered one of the top-level Taliban guys. Fuck. Like, I don't even care if the top-level Taliban guy is the most evil villain. If you're doing a murder, you should feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how to explain that any better. There's a goddamn yeah. Aquid joke where he meets a serial killer and he's like, hey, what's it like to kill a man? And he's like, oh, it's like a basketball game where I'm there and the other player's there and I put the other player's body in my van and I'm the winner. <laughs> and it's like, that's... He's a cold sociopath, but to hear a, a, a decorated war veteran being like, well, well, it's like it's basically like being on a footy team, except you kill the other team. <laughs> I can't believe horrifying. I say it in a silly voice, but that is like makes my blood run cold. That's insane. Yeah. So the the claims about um, the the alleged crimes that he committed actually came out in 2017. Um, the journalist Chris Masters um, he published a book called No Frontline. Um, and one of the controversies, quote unquote, that he covered uh, was the killing of an alleged Taliban spotter. And um, there, there's various details about it, which is uh, which alleges the fact that Robert Smith was directly involved in the killing of this man, as well as um, yeah, uh, killing this man and kicking him off a cliff while he was handcuffed. God damn it! Like yeah. spartering some cunt because he's just high on bloodlust. Like, full credit to the boys. Oh, should, this, this is the thing as well. Part of the reporting. I'm sorry, Evie, to fucking go on a bit of a tangent. But this is like when people talk about the problem with boys will be boys. It leads to it leads to fuckheads like this. It's just a constant. If you just keep letting that shit go of just like, oh, he's a big manly man. Big manly man doing big manly stuff. Kicking a handcuff Afghani off of a small cliff. And then everyone around him is just like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, cool. It's, like, it, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And this isn't the only allegations against him, by the way. Um, it, there was multiple investigations um, by the ABC in 2017, 2018. Uh, in 2018, Fairfax then also reported uh, about um, the sexual assault allegations against various ADF members. And um, there was uh, a report that he had allegedly committed an act of domestic violence as well as um, bullying several soldiers within the army. Uh, and this was the start of his defamation uh, actions against Fairfax. Um, so, yeah, th- there's multiple different kinds of crimes that he's being accused of. I, I just want to also um, put in here that the ABC has multiple times um, reported of his alleged involvement in these crimes. He was actually giving the address just this year on November 11th on ABC Radio on Remembrance Day. Oh my God. <laughs> well done, ABC, you fucking idiots. Cool. That's that is that is the military version of having Blair Cottrell up to talk race relations. Fucking It really is God damn. remembrance. Oh, remember when I kicked that dude off a cliff? Good times. Happy Remembrance Day, everyone. <laughs> Rough chuckles. Jesus Christ, ABC. I just don't even think like 
wouldn't you like someone in charge of like you know organizing the stuff for Remembrance Day like sees like Ben Roberts on like coming up next and thinks hey that might be a bad look considering all the war crimes everyone's discussing right now oh that's the thing the other producers like alleged war crimes though let's not rush to judgment let's get him on (laughs) and if it turns out it's true we can be like how did we see this coming oh this is the nation's (laughs) tragedy oh no 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 I listen to video game podcasts that do better vetting of their guests than the ABC did (laughs) (laughs) it's like the joke I was making last week about scan culture being better at holding people to account yeah (laughs) Jesus Christ one of the best things to come out of the whole Ben Robert Smith saga is that, uh, like Evie said, that defamation lawsuit that he's running at the moment um, has actually resulted in the court hearing the defamation lawsuit, ordering him to release a whole bunch of files that he wanted to keep hidden about his record and the alleged crimes he committed in Afghanistan. Well done. <laughs> Good job, Robert Smith. Dickhead. Oh, my God. Um, oh also, my God. in terms of like people calling him a dickhead or, you know, close proximity to calling him a dickhead. Yumi Steins actually got in trouble in 2012 for calling him thick um, (laughs) during a broadcast of The Circle, which was like a short-lived panel show at the time. Um, She she said um, it was some sort of stunt where they like had on like all the shirtless SAS members or something like that. And she said, Hello! (laughs) Look at that physique. He's going to dive down to the bottom of the pool and see if his brain is there. (laughs) Yumi, it doesn't matter if he has have you seen his SAS? And they described him in the paper on the weekend as, as almost like an ultra fit killing machine. So <laughs> it's great. You know, all credit to Yumi Steins. She picked up on him being an asshole long before any of the stuff came out. Like she just had a good sense for it. Just and like looking at him like, an no. asshole, just thick as pig shit. Like <laughs> Oh, just oh, who even knows if this guy's intelligent or not? It's just he's just a murderer, right? That's the alleged murderer. Well, this is a guy who said full credit to the boys when accepting his Victoria Cross. So that's that's yeah. genuinely upsetting. Like like hearing that was both equal parts funny and like a sinking pit opening up of just like. Like, that was going to be my joke because I thought that that's going to be a heightening of reality for the sake of comedic effect. No, it actually And happens. no. <laughs> no, just no. I want to talk for a second. So, sometimes on this podcast we talk about dirty solidarity, which is like when somebody that you have, like, big political disagreements with or they're, you know, like a racist or whatever, and you're like, I still think that you should have, uh, you know, a, a fair wage and, you know, medical care that you, you need and that sort of thing. Um I, I think there's sort of like a maybe a flip side of this that's like dirty sympathy that is like when you acknowledge that somebody is really horrible, but you also feel sorry for them because they're horrible as a result of something horrible being done to them. Yeah. This is sort of how I feel about like neo-Nazis and white supremacists and that sort of thing. Like we know that neo-Nazi and white supremacists recruiting works by finding vulnerable people, targeting them and radicalizing them. And now they're a white supremacist and a neo-Nazi and they're going to, you know, just perpetuate that chain. And so you've got most neo-Nazis are one neo-Nazis, horrible, horrible, horrible people, but also two vulnerable people who have had something horrible done to them such that their brain has been, you know, intentionally transformed and twisted into something disgusting by somebody else, which is like a horrific crime. I I think that there's a lot of stuff that's very much the same with this. I got the same feeling where we've got this, like, whole series of, like, war criminals, this whole series of crimes of the most horrifying and disgusting nature that is a result of... You know, the people who from a very young age are being told, serve in the Australian military. It's beautiful. It's honourable. You'll be venerated as a hero for the rest of your life. And then they get inducted into this culture that says, also murdering people is fine. It's an honourable and noble thing to do. Their brains have been twisted into something horrible by, in this case, the ADF. And so I'm like, Ben Robert Smith, allegedly... You're a very, very horrible person to the sort of deepest depths of humanity, the worst shit imaginable, as a result of something horrible that's been done to you. And so I've got this sort of dirty sympathy. Yeah. That's like, I, 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 I don't have another way to describe it. This sort of like deepest, strongest possible condemnation. And also just this sadness that something so dark has been done to somebody's soul by somebody else. Like it's, 
it's just really, really fucked. Yeah. I think I think it's 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 way too reductionist to sort of just go like, yeah, they're fuckheads and leave it at that. Like at the very least, the the concept of dirty sympathy can lead us to instructive and material explanations for what happened and we should never confuse it with excuses at no point should we just go no it's not an excuse and actually uh robert smith you're a hero good to go because someone fucked you up it's like no like there is there is weird morality at play here but essentially we can look at the causes of this thing and just feel bad about it we don't have and, and this is the thing that the media is struggling with all they can do is say it's shocking and surprising as opposed to going, yeah, yeah, this sucks, hey. They can't sit in the yeah. discomfort. They have to explain away the discomfort as a temporal thing. And a good way to do that is to say that it is a surprise instead of fucking sitting in it. A, a couple, And I will yeah. say, a couple of places were good. Crikey, have the conversation, places like that, the left-leaning places obviously, have done some pretty <laughs> good stories over the last week saying, no, no, no. This is who we are. This is who the Australian Defence Force is. And we need to grapple with that. And we can't do it by explaining it away. We can't say there's just a few troops that were that behaved uh, aberrantly. We can't say that it's just a couple generals that turn the other way. We can't say that it is um, where we have a proud military history that we should feel good about. And there's just a small blemish. This is the entire structure of what a fucking military at war is. And yeah. we have to just sit in that horrible, fetid, disgusting feeling for a while and accept it. There's something really poisonous in the culture of the ADF that's turning people into monsters. And maybe the people who are signing up to the ADF are also, you know, partway monstrous in the first place. But I don't think that it's anywhere near enough to say, oh, Ben Robert Smith, monster. You've got to say that he's a monster that has been made. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. He, and if he's been made, he's been made by someone and something. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I was gonna I was gonna wrap up with a couple of stuff that I wanted to um, talk about, just in terms of like the report itself and the way it was that was reported on, and like the some of the fucking generals that were trotted out to talk about shit. But the main thing for me is like. When they're trying to justify it by calling it a, a, a warrior culture is something that I saw um, a bunch. Someone, uh, General Campbell, talking about it. It's absolutely antithetical, not just to special operations, but to professional military forces. And this is absolutely uh, not the Australian Defence Force and shit like that. Where, like, some of the shit that came out in the report is that they were getting these SAS commandos, these heroes... We're getting prisoners and giving them to new recruits, like junior officers, and getting the junior officers to kill them in cold blood, like as prisoners, to blood them, to induct yeah, them into the ADF. Yeah, now you one of the boys. Yeah. All credit to the boys. Now we've all killed. And, like, that's not something that you can just say is a bit of a blemish in an otherwise outstanding- like uh, department or an outstanding company or anything like that. So you, you wouldn't say any of that sort of shit, but no, I've not seen anyone talk about how that's not a warrior mentality. That's a gang mentality. That's yeah. criminal violence. And the thing is we need that if we are to have a military function properly. This is the thing no one is talking about. This idea that we can have killers, military and gang members, kill people. We need them to follow orders without question, military and gang. We need them to not break down instantly when they do that. You need that in the military and gangs. But for some reason, we stop short of just going, it is how the military has to operate, is we need to turn a blind eye to this stuff. We need to let them- um, Get their you know get their rocks off in ways that the general public just wouldn't understand, um, and and that is something that like that is something that we know about to a degree. We know that um, gallows humor is a thing. Nurses and um, like first first responders of all different types have a type of like they have a type of the sense of humor. They have a way of communicating with each other. They have a way of expressing themselves. That comes from the fact that we put them into really fucked situations. 
But we need to accept that that's what that means the military is functioning the way a military should. And we need to have a bigger conversation about why we have a fucking military in Australia in 2020. Like, we don't need a standing force of men who we have broken down mentally and physically and built them back up to essentially be gang members for the Australian public to go overseas and kill people. Well, yeah, I mean, that's. Did you see the Labour Party's response? Uh, Where they're I, like, I did, oh. but then I turned into a phoenix and rose through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, I've been having to fix the burn, the burn scars around the top of my house. Yeah, the, the, the quote from the Labor's Shadow Defence Minister, uh, Richard Miles, there, he said, It would be a tragedy if Australians were to see our nation's involvement in Afghanistan solely through the prism of these allegations. Oh, God. Like, what are you, you, can you just engage with the, the horrible part of it at all? That, that's the thing. People just immediately, like, they see the horrible thing and then it slips off their brain like it's wrapped in glad wrap and they're just like, oh, well, it'd be a shame if we thought that war was bad, though. <laughs> like, Fuck. say... That's horrible, at least. Just say, wow, really bad. Nobody's even done that. They're just like, well, look, it can't all be bad. That's the thing. What the fuck? It would be a tragedy if Australians did that. And we need to do that because it is a tragedy. This is my um, tinfoil hat theory. I don't think it's actually that tinfoil hat. I think it's 100% legitimate in that in the lead up to the rest of like this investigation being um, reported on this week, um, Scott Morrison and a whole bunch of people are saying, uh, strap in fuckers. Like, you know, where you're going to see a lot of stuff that you're not ready for. And part of that, the part of that strategy is basically they briefed pretty much anyone who would be asked for comment um, to say a specific range of things, including this kind of line of like, uh, what is it exactly? Um, hoping that it wouldn't er- erode the legacy of the entire squadron and tarnish the reputation of other soldiers. Um, and like, you know, not all the SAS is like it. It's just a few bad apples. So everyone is trotting out the same line. Even John fucking Howard is saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. John Howard with a fantastic tra- track record of sticking up for the good guys in situations. Uh, John Howard, you might <laughs> recall, was the man who gave a character reference for George Pell and also sent the troops to Afghanistan. Is that convicted pedophile George Pell? Uh, that'd be him. Yeah, yes. the convicted very one. pedophile George Pell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. <laughs> I fucking love- This is why RoboDead had to go to court because I don't want to say alleged dickhead Stuart Robert. I want to say convicted dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I fully believe that, that you know, that. This has been happening for quite a few months now where they're reaching out to anyone who could possibly be asked to say, here's your line. You don't have to think about it too much. If you don't want to get into any trouble, here's what you got to say. And, and like, if you don't want to be raided by the federal police, say this. <laughs> so, and like even the IGADF, um, their recommendation like in this report is like compensation to be paid to the families um, without waiting for criminal prosecutions. Fucking. And, and like their line is, while most of the 3,000 Australian special forces who served in Afghanistan did so with distinction, their inquiry's main report details an appalling litany of offences committed by some in Australia's name. So the legal killings are fine. It's just the illegal ones that we got to worry yeah, about. Yeah, what does it what does it mean to have soldiers act with distinction in a battle zone somewhere overseas? It means they fucking killed people. Like, that's what that is. But it's the good type of killing, so it's all good. Yeah. The legal killings are all gravy. It's fine. It's just... It's really fucking sad that this... It's the same fucking thing whenever conservatives get talking points. It's the same fucking thing when, like, Amanda Vanstone is talking about how we can't talk about climate change because there's bushfires. The idea is, like, we can't right now have a genuine, honest discussion about the broader culture of the military in this country yeah, and their apples. material worth. No, it's just a couple of them. We, can't, we don't have time to talk about it now. Don't worry about like, it. It's really, it's really fucking upsetting, especially because, and this is my personal thing, is that, like, in, in terms of dirty sympathy, like I said, I fucking grew up with a, with a father with PTSD. We don't support these people when they come home anyway. They, only, they can only support mm. themselves. So we have a culture at one end which is encouraging people to just 
fucking slay civilians, to just murder with glee and impunity. Yeah. And then when they get back here and one of one of these motherfuckers comes out and says, please punish me for what I did. And we go, nah. And he didn't have access to good mental health support services. And I'm not saying that personally. I'm saying that fucking systemically. I know he didn't because those services to return servicemen have been cut for fucking decades. We don't support these people in any way, shape or form, but we are quite happy to tell everyone else that we should support them. We will in no way give money to these services when they desperately need mental health services and training and support at every fucking step. But we will say that, oh, they are heroes and they deserve it. Do something about it then! It's just repeating the same thing that we've done for, you know, decades. Like, this is Vietnam all over again. It's, you know, it's one of those things where we're a country. Well, I mean, I guess we're a culture. This happens everywhere. Where we train these men and some women to be in a position where um, they can be numbed to the actions that they're being asked to do. Mm. And then when they come back, we say, you're on your own. He have an RSL. We don't even give them RSLs anymore. Damn, fuck. <laughs> like, we don't even have, like, places for them to, like, you know, congregate and, like, you know, talk about what they've been through. And this is, yeah, like I said, it's just a Or talk honestly about what they've been through. Yeah, not, not being able they to They can't talk honestly about this shit. Not being able to engage yeah. with the fact of, like, the crimes that they think, like, you know, that they feel, like, to sit with what they've done. They don't have the or to, or to, means. Or to try to talk publicly, honestly, about what they've done. We talked about the guy that came out and tried to do that and was fucking roundly ignored. So these people have to just buy their own bullshit. That's how you cope. In terms of dirty sympathy, this is how these people get through their fucking days is by knowing that everyone else has their back and everyone else agrees with what they did. It's a fucking mm. tragedy from start to fucking finish. It is. We should fucking sit with it as a nation. It is a tragedy. I also think, like, a lot about... Um David Frost, who was the whistleblower, one of the whistleblowers here. There was actually quite a few, of, like you know, uh, return oh, servicemen. Yeah. God, the fucking whistleblowers. We we don't hit them freaking harder than we hit the war criminals. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. Like we have no, like we always like have this sort of fraught discussion about how do we treat whistleblowers, both in the corporate sphere and the federal sphere. Um, you know, uh, when they talk about the kinds of things that are happening, and allegedly there's always like, oh, something must be done to protect them. But when it push comes to shove, they will always be thrown under the bus. They're always the first to go in terms of their, like, you know, they admitted culpability. They're the easiest to throw down um, and say, oh, yeah, there's bad apples and this guy's actually the worst for saying it. Um, fucking heavy podcast. Let's end with a little bit of good news. There, there is some good news out there. Um, in in a little bit of good news, Bendigo dairy workers got a pay rise and a job guarantee as a result of going on strike, which is fucking hey. great. Um, Lactalus Bendigo is the name of the company. Workers went on strike, and uh, it was the sorry, it was the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union. Um, which we've said it, we've said it a few times. Uh, since COVID, it's like there's never been a better time to go on strike, especially if you're in an essential service right now, because they <laughs> fucking- I, I say that, Woolworths just shut down a place where the um, unions were going to go on strike for three months, saying that, like, no, nah, you can't have work if you're going to go on strike, because we're going to automate it later anyway. So, these these companies are still fucked, but this was supposed well, to be the yeah, good news section. God is, damn it. Is, 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 you know, swinging a blow at your employer and sometimes they will swing back. That's yeah. the risk of going on strike. That's why striking is scary and that's why we should be lauding the people who do strike yeah. as, I'm going to say it, bigger heroes than anyone that the ADF has ever produced. <laughs> Big call, but I'm going to agree with uh, that. Um, there's also a little shout out I wanted to make, which I just thought was fun, um, that there is a headline in The Guardian, Push to oust Liberal MP Craig Kelly gathers pace. Quote from the people doing the push: "It's awful to be the laughing stock of the country." <laughs> um, oh, this Craig is Craig Kelly, he's a climate denier, loose unit crank Liberal Party member. Not even the- climate like denier, yes, but he was one of the Liberal Party members. A sitting member of the government was like 
tweeting out and posting on Facebook stuff about um, hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for COVID and shit like that. Um, oh, and I just wanted to give a shout out to the groups that have um, joined together. There's a, the, the, the coalition now is called We Are Hughes uh, from The Guardian. A new group, We Are Hughes. Sorry, Hughes is the name of the electorate he's in, not a bunch of people called Hughes. That, that's fucked. <laughs> um, Mitch. A new group, We Are Hughes, has formed as an umbrella group for two other groups, which were called Hugh Deserves Better, formed before the last federal election, and another dedicated to Kelly's retirement called Craig Kelly Must Go! Imagine how much of a fucking pissant you have to be to have people in your electorate not just sort of go, oh, I only really care about federal stuff, you're a federal member, I'll wait to see what your government does, but just to go, you specifically, you suck, and like- Tony Abbott lost his seat partly because he was also a loose unit, but mainly because the independent that ran against Tony Abbott put on a really good campaign and really spoke to her local electorate. Tony Abbott was out of touch. She was very much in line with her electorate and she won. These people are just like, we don't care who else. Send another <laughs> Liberal Party person. We don't care. It's just this guy is a fuckhead. He's just a weird guy and we don't want to be like- represented by him. Anyone but this fucking guy. Yeah. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring it up as well, just quickly, is because it's yet more proof. They haven't gotten rid of him yet, but it's being reported on. It's yet more proof that ground groundswell grassroots movements can have an effect. This is in light of the um, call for a royal commission into the Murdoch papers by um, previous Australian loser Kevin Rudd. Um, just not following it up with a call to be like, hey, if you're in a, in, in an area, you of course you are, you live. If you live in a small town, <laughs> you can talk to businesses and maybe try to get all the Murdoch papers out. Even if you live in a big town. You can do that as well. In your little suburb, in your area, just try to get a movement going. We know that works because they fucking did it in fucking England. Liverpool. In Liverpool. They, the, 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 the Murdoch press did some really horrible reporting on a tragedy and they went, fuck off. And they fucked off. And we can continue to do it. And if this group, uh, We Are Hughes, continues to get uh, a push from the media, if they continue to go door to door talking to people, keeping it local, they might be able to get rid of Craig Kelly, which is going to be a good thing. So you can start a small thing. Like we've always said, the smallest thing you can start is a group chat and then turn it into a podcast and then turn it into a political <laughs> platform. So I'm very happy to announce 2024. <laughs> but some, that's, some, that's some good news in an otherwise fucking really dark episode. God damn. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Actions this week. Go to go to the subreddit or and iBleach after listening to the pod and just look at some nice kittens yeah. and stuff. Sorry for the grim episode, but, uh, man, that's more of an apology than uh, you've got from the ADFA. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks for listening to a dark episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at NotGoodPod on all the socials or shoot us an email at NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com, which, if you send it from another ProtonMail account, wink, wink, is encrypted. We really love hearing from you guys. <laughs> we get tagged in your stuff all the time. You guys show us some cool stories and we want more of it. It's really, really great and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Not Good Enough Roots recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the eldest past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.